dorky defense mechanisms have been activated. Little Yorkie dachshund mix. Nine pounds of fury. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Model View Conversation, America's premier tech education podcast. My name is Ben Golke. And I'm Brian Gates. Please be sure to check out our website at mvc.fm for an archive of our shows where you can listen right on the page, access the show notes, and find out how to subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, which you can provide by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or tweeting us at MVC Podcast. We're here at the beginning of the year. It'll be, I guess, not quite as much at the beginning by the time uh, you hear it, but for us, it's, it's nigh unto the first of the year. Almost. Almost. And like everybody else, we thought, why not talk about what we can do during this year to make it the best year so far? Right, Ben? Yes, I'm ready to go. All right. So I think uh, we should start with um, talking a little bit about what it's like to establish new habits. Obviously, there is the common thing that is done in January, the resolutions, right, where you, you commit to something. You say, I'm going to do X or maybe not do X to try and make yourself a better person. Have you resolved anything? I have not. I, I kind of hate resolutions because they tend to be things that just sort of, well, that specific thing, right, where they tend to just sort of be like, I'm going to do X, and then you don't really do anything about it to make that happen, and then they just don't happen. So I think a, a better way to go about it is to try and, rather than say, I'm going to be a better, stronger, healthier person <laughs> as my resolution, and then just leave it there, um, really try and work on instead establishing a new pattern for yourself, trying to say, yes, I don't, I'm not going to say, I'm going to be, I'm going to drop 40 pounds, and I'm going to build 10 pounds of muscle, and I'm going to be this amazing gym person, right? Or or I'm going to read 300 books this year or whatever, right? Um, those are certainly noble goals. Um, and I think there's things that you can certainly accomplish, but you need to have uh, more of a process involved to create them, right? You can't just say those things and hope that they happen. Um, so I think right. habits probably are a better, maybe a better way to think about that, right? You want to encourage a healthy habit. Um, and in order to do that, what is a habit? It's something you do repeatedly. So you need to figure out a way to take the thing that you want and turn it into a repeatable process. One thing that I've been playing with um, so far in the year is the idea of attaching a habit to a pre-existing routine. I love that. So if, if there are things that I'm already doing as, um, well, a matter of habit, then it kind of gives me time slots that I can attach other things to. And that way, I don't have to really think hard about doing the, the new thing. It becomes part of the routine. For instance, um, I... I go to bed at more or less the same time every night, and I would like to read more. I don't know, about 300 books a year. That would be nice. But I always have trouble during the day kind of picking a, a time that I'm going to say, I'm going to stop whatever I've done so far and read. But what I've had some success with so far is to say, okay, I know what when I'm going to bed, so half an hour before that, that can be reading time. Yeah, I like that. And then, and then by attaching it to a pre-existing behavior, I don't have as much sort of uh, drawing upon the limited reserves of willpower to say, I'm going to make a decision. The decision is sort of pre-made. Right. Yeah, to, to tell a short, funny story about myself um, related to habits and, and how powerful they can be, um, I got LASIK surgery a couple of years ago and used to wear glasses or contacts. Um, and after I got LASIK, one thing that I noticed that was a very strange phenomenon that was happening that I couldn't totally explain at the very outset and then realize what was going on was that um, I would occasionally leave the house for work in the day and forget to put on deodorant. And the reason that I did that is because that habit of doing that, that hygiene step, was so closely tied 
to putting my contacts in. I would do that, and then I would, you know, I, there's just a couple of things that I was doing in the bathroom in the morning, one of which was putting my contacts in and then obviously putting on deodorant. And and I was like, why am I forgetting to do this? I've done this for 30 years, right? This is, shouldn't be a problem. And I was like, oh, it's such, it's tied. It's so tied to that other step that since I'm not doing that step anymore, then the whole thing is gone. Mm-hmm. So I had to create a new habit that was, even though you don't have to put your contacts in, you can still go back into the... So yeah, it was it was a funny thing that I noticed about myself that I was able to correct, obviously. Um, but it's just it's just kind of interesting to see how how sometimes habits can be so closely tied to each other, you don't even realize it. Yeah, it is really powerful. I think if you were to try to think about every decision that you make during the day or every action that you perform during the day, I think you'd be surprised how few of them are the result of conscious decisions and how much of them are just you're sort of on autopilot. You know, you get out of the shower, you reach for the towel. Once you're dried off, you do the next thing, the next thing, and you get dressed and you walk out. And... These are really, I think probably the times when you can feel how little you're consciously thinking about that stuff is when something interrupts it. Like if if you have the routine changed or if, God forbid, your keys are not exactly where they ought to be, you know, and you have to stop and think about things, that gets a lot harder. But on the other hand, if you can take advantage of those routines and just accumulate more things on top of them, you can build out whole kind of automated processes, which we as engineers love, to get a lot of work done without thinking about it. Yeah, I think it, it can be, it, when you recognize it for what it is, I think it can become a very powerful force for good in your life, um, as long as you recognize that, you you know, you need to uh, make sure that the patterns you're enforcing are, are good things, um, like putting on deodorant, for example. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great idea, and and I and I love the idea of attaching a new habit to one that already exists because that existing habit is going to be very powerful, um, and if you can attempt to insert that that new one along with it, um, it's going to give you a much higher chance of succeeding at that new one because once you get them paired up, it's going to be difficult to separate them. Right. Right. I think I share some of your aversion to the idea of resolutions around not just the idea that you're sort of saying, here are all the things that I want to have at the end of the year. It's more of like a wish list than a set of resolutions. Also, I think having a bunch of them all set at the same time is uh, is unnecessarily complicating things. Maybe not complicating, but just increasing the, the degree of difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you say, I'm going to be healthier and go to the gym more and i'm going to also read books and i'm you have just sort of this laundry list of things that you would like to make better about yourself those are all great noble goals but you're going to start them all on january 1st and then see what happens like that just, <laughs> that just seems like you're kind of setting yourself up for at least a very difficult road if not probably failure on it at least some of them Right. So I think one way around that is to, again, take advantage of this um, automation of habits by saying uh, during the year, maybe I'll pick out 12 things. And at the beginning of each month, I'm going to work to create a new habit. And then by the end of January, you have one thing established. And then you don't have to think about that anymore. You can just can you'll continue to do it. But you can say, now I'm going to take my limited amount of willpower and I'm going to decide on making another change in my life. And then you can make sort of incremental changes over a longer period of time. You know, that sounds eerily similar to the idea of breaking a large problem down into smaller pieces and then doing iterative development on it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Pretty much everything turns into the same problem, if you look uh, yeah, right? closely enough. So why not take those engineering skills that you may have just learned as a new junior developer and apply them to your life habits, right? I mean, that's obviously easier to do one thing than do 12 things. Um, and once you get something established, then you can iterate to the next thing where you are building up and getting a thing working and then moving on to the next rather than trying to tackle them all at once. So turns out the advice that, that we and a lot of other people give about, you know, how to take a large problem, break it down, and then worry about kind of one thing at a time. And it's better to have – it'd be better at the end of the year if, you, if, if five of the things that you set out to do were brand new established habits that were built into your workflow. That would be much better outcome, five of 12, than, you know, 10% of each of the 12 being established at the end of the year, right? It'd be much better for you to, to have a few new habits – than to have really none. Um, so I, I think that's solid advice. So if, if you want to begin planning for these goals, uh, the first thing you need to do is have some goals, I suppose. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, if we're talking about, you know, we've kind of been using generic examples from, you know, everyday life. Um, if we were to try and focus this around uh, more things that might be useful to a new junior developer, um what kind of things you know might they want to do? And maybe a good way to start that would be, do, do we have any um, of these kind of maybe career or tech-oriented uh, goals for ourselves? One thing that has been advice that I got as a junior and that we continue to give juniors as we come across and something that I want to recommit to doing myself this year is to get out and among people and specifically meetups is the big um, tech gathering opportunity, especially in Orlando, and I'm sure in other cities. And I've kind of fallen off the wagon from that for the past six or eight months. And I need to start getting back downtown and, and seeing the other developers. So I'm going to commit to going to at least one meetup a month. All right. You heard it here first, folks. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea to attend more meetups. And it's not just because we want you to be more social. Um, it, that... That's part of it, but that 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 social interaction, especially with people who have common interests, is going to lead to potential opportunities down the road. Like we said a whole bunch of times in the previous episodes, um, knowing people in the industry, even if it's sort of a casual um, interaction with someone that you saw at a meetup, is is good and could potentially lead to them later on down the road. Um, you know, if an opportunity comes along, they might think of you uh, because they met you and they talked to you and had a positive interaction. So it's really, it's unfortunately not something that's going to pay immediate dividends, um, but it is, you're kind of investing in your social capital in that way. Meetups, by the way, like a lot of things that people do together help uh, or build on the idea of habits that we've been talking about by scheduling regular occurrences. You know, I know that the Orlando JavaScript meetup is the second Tuesday of every month. And that takes away something certainly for the organizers to think about and something for me to think about. Because on the second Tuesday, if I remember it's the second Tuesday, I know that's something that'll happen at 7 p.m. that evening. And I could probably uh, help myself along with my goal of getting out there every month by um, taking advantage of some tech to just send me a reminder, you know, the the calendar will remember better than I will that it's the second Tuesday of every month. And so I can get a helpful little prompt around lunchtime of, hey, this is going on at seven o'clock and here are the directions. So, you know, keep that in mind. Right. Yeah, I think it's a great idea to have a little bit of tech to to help you help you encourage those new habits that you want to adopt. Because if you just sort of say that you want to and then that's that's it, 
um, then, you know, that that potentially is an issue. The other thing that I can suggest about meetups in particular is um, if you want to kind of be reminded of it and understand what's going on is seek out that meetup's social media um, or, if you know, if they're on Twitter or wherever. Um, or it's certainly if they have a meetup.com page. Meetup.com is, at least in the United States, is a pretty popular website that meetup organizers use to organize and announce things about their particular meetup. So um, you can use that resource uh, to help remind you um, and keep you informed about what's going on and maybe what topics are going to be discussed. Particularly if you, um, you know, if you look ahead of time and see that there's something that you actually do want to hear more about, that's going to give you more incentive to actually go and and attend that particular event. Um, So staying informed is always a good thing. Meetups is one big one. I have a couple more, but uh, let's give Ben a chance. What's something that you want to have as a new habit for the new year? Yeah, so um, as we've talked about before, um, we are, at least maybe we weren't before, but we are now educators. Um, Something that I really uh, enjoyed from my previous experience as a teacher is learning that um, education and stuff like that is important to me and that I enjoy being an educator. Um, So... I would like to commit this year to trying to get provide more educational resources um, out in the world um, in various formats. So one of those things is to take um, to, to build some some iOS specific content for that's like junior focused. Um, and I actually have already begun that by a uh, little self promotion here. Um, BenGolke.com, my my personal website, has some lessons now for. Swift and uh, Objective-C, just some basics, uh, language basics. So if you're wanting to get into iOS and you don't uh, you know, know exactly where to start, that's one way to start is to just kind of learn some basics about the languages that we use for that. Um, so I went ahead and put up some lessons there, and I want to sort of commit to continue to do that. I really did enjoy putting those up, um, and I'd like to continue to do that and add some more um some more stuff to that, probably written video, just some different ways of um, trying to convey that information. So that's something that that I have done a little bit of and really did enjoy um, the first few days of the year and want to kind of hopefully keep that up. That's a good one. I would like to second that. And I don't have any content up yet on the internet, but I've um, been making preparations in specifically every year there's um, a set of free software engineering puzzles, I might have mentioned it on the program before, called the Advent of Code, which are um, these Christmas-themed sort of engineering problems, the kind of things you might get in a very friendly whiteboard test, except low stakes because it's just you working on things without anyone looking over your shoulder. And for a couple years now, and since the first year they had it, I think in 2015 or 16, I've been going through these things and I think learning about how to do these problems, but once I've learned what I've learned, I then close my laptop and no one ever hears about it again, which I think is not ideal. So I decided this year to not only solve the problems, but make up a little commentary about what my process was like and explain not just the code, but how I got to the final state of the code. And that turned out to be a lot harder than I was expecting. I don't know if the problems got harder or or if I didn't pick my time or if I was distracted or what, but the advent of code runs from December 1st to 25th, and I finished the last problem yesterday. Wow. Yeah. So I'm a little behind in my uh, solving and commentary, but I at least have that process in place of giving myself uh, an hour and change each day to work on cranking through the material 
And now that I have all the problems solved, I can take what's probably the harder part of going back and, and explaining it. Yeah, explaining it is definitely a whole other level of uh, understanding that you have to have about the process because you have to be able to explain it concisely and you know in a way that other people will understand. <laughs> That's its own challenge, as I'm sure we are both uh, familiar yes. from our time teaching. So something that, that juniors can even do is uh, kind of if we bring it back to them, if you have a, you know, if you have that kind of goal in mind where you want to be better at explaining things to people and interacting with other developers in a way that they can understand, a very important skill to have as a developer, because once you get into a job, if you haven't already, um, one of the skills is to, you know, work through problems together. And something you need to do to be able to do that is to ex at least explain the problem that you're having in a concise way that is understandable. Um, if not, also, if you're helping someone else, explain a solution, you know, too, so that they can they can understand the solution and they can implement it if it's their issue to resolve. Um, so having those explanation skills is pretty important. So something that you could do is, uh, you know, along the lines of a meetup or something is to perhaps, if you have a, a small problem that you, even something like that, an advent of code problem that you solved, offer to the meetup organizer, you know, if it's on topic, if it's, let's say, JavaScript and it's a JavaScript meetup, to explain that problem to the group, right? If nothing more than just put your code up and stand there for a couple of minutes. Um, something that, that I do at the iOS meetup in Orlando is we have what's called a lightning talk. And a lightning talk is basically five to 10 minutes or less. Um, so a short, small thing. Um, and it can be something as simple as a problem that I solved and I want to stand here and explain it to everyone. Um, it, it may sound to you like that's not that important and who's going to care. But there are other people in the audience that may not have seen this before, and it might benefit them to, to see that um, explained. And in addition, it gives you an opportunity to stand in front of a bunch of developers and explain a process to them and practice that skill. So that is, if you're thinking, why would I want to go to a meetup? Maybe I, like, maybe I go to meetups. Maybe I already attend them. So maybe an additional goal that you might have is, well, I've been attending for a little while. Now I want to actually contribute. That's a solid way that you could do that. It's a, I know it's a small thing, but it is still a useful thing to do. And trust me, the meetup organizer will love it if you walk up to them unsolicited and you volunteer content. They will love that. And not just meetups, but blogging, I think, is, is really valuable. Whether you get a, a huge audience or not, whether you get an audience or not, the act of writing things out helps you to think through what it is that you're trying to say. And that helps you understand things better. I know Ben and I have both had this experience multiple times, too many to count, of explaining a topic that we thought we knew pretty well to a class full of students. And as soon as words had to come out of our mouths to describe something that we could type and make work on a computer, suddenly uh, we realized there were big gaps in our understanding. But by going through the process of teaching and explaining, it really helps to solidify things in the mind of the person who's doing the teaching. Yeah, nothing nothing becomes more crystal clear on how much you don't understand something than when you try and explain it to someone else. Uh, it, it's it's kind of it can be shocking when you're like, I thought I knew what I was talking about here, and clearly I don't. So having that experience is definitely invaluable. And if you just a little sort of warning here. If you end up in that scenario where you're talking in front of the group and maybe you don't get it quite right. That's totally fine. Hopefully, the membership of that group will be understanding and maybe even offer to help you or something during it. But but don't feel like, well, if I don't get it perfectly right, I'm not even going to bother doing it because, you know, I don't want to be, you know, embarrassed or, or you know, seen that I, I don't know what I'm doing. 
something that you can do to help with that is just basically tell everyone that you're a junior, right? We've all been through this process. We've all, we all understand. Um, and if you get up there and say, hi, I'm whoever, and I've been doing, you know, JavaScript development or iOS or whatever for six months, I've been I've gone through these couple of things. And I found this problem that I want to show you today, providing that, that little bit of intro will help set the tone and the understanding of the group that you are a new developer and there's nothing wrong with that. And you're going to stand up there and you're going to you're going to make your case and it might not be totally perfect, but that's fine. And that process continues indefinitely. Uh, this past year at Ben's urging, I've been um, prompting at least, I've been getting a lot more into tech podcasts and sort of getting a peek behind the curtain at some of the big name speakers at tech conferences. And I've heard multiple times people talk about um, submitting a proposal for a talk based not on having accumulated years and years of expertise, but based on a developer deciding, I'd like to know about this topic with which I'm completely unfamiliar, and therefore I'm going to make a commitment to get on a national stage in a few months and discuss it for half an hour, and then I'm going to have to learn it. And that happens with people giving talks at big conferences. I just heard a, a podcast with a guy who had written a book about all kinds of computer science topics from uh, Turing completeness and the halting problem and all these things. And one of the podcast hosts asked him a question and he said, oh, I really don't know. I wrote the book because I wanted to understand these things. Better. Yeah. The... <laughs> oh, boy, that's that's. That's ambitious to, to it's one thing to maybe give a, a, a meetup talk or maybe even a small conference talk, but to commit to writing a whole book about stuff that you didn't understand beforehand. Wow, that's that's impressive. Um, yeah, the one of the so kind of to to bring this around to some people that I've seen in at least in the iOS industry commit to new things. Um, for those of you in the audience that are iOS focused, you may have heard of this guy, Paul Hudson. He's a, um, a blogger and a writer and a developer. Um, and he has this uh, hackingwithswift.com. It's his that's his place on the internet. Um, he has all kinds of amazing tutorials, and he's written he's written multiple books about iOS, um, and has spoken at just n numerous conferences. Um, one of his goals for this year is actually to assist others who may have never spoken at a conference to speak. So that's kind of his goal. Is I'm I'm gonna still go and speak, of course, but. Uh, but really his focus is to try and push others and, and help others get up on the stage and, and get out there and, and give a talk, which I thought was kind of a, a cool goal for him. But yeah, there's there's definitely nothing like uh, getting up in front of a whole bunch of people and explaining something to to help motivate you to get to the point where when you do go to stand up in front of the people, you are prepared because you don't, you know, you don't want to look silly. Um, and the way to prevent that is to research and, and practice. And whereas for a talk, there's an end point, you know, there's the day on which you give the talk and you don't really have to do anything in public before then. Blogging, I think you shouldn't uh, consider something that has to be perfected first. I think it's perfectly fine to have uh, the idea of writing as a rough draft and then you just leave the rough draft out there in the world for people to see. And maybe you can come back later and have edits and updates if you maybe rewrite the post later because some new version of a software has come out or something. But otherwise, I don't think, and I'm speaking mainly to myself because this is a mistake I've made in the past, don't think that a blog post has to be perfected before it can see the light of day. Just write something, get it out there, then write the next thing. I mean, do what you can to make sure that your code compiles if you have code right. examples <laughs> in, your, in your blog post. Don't just put up complete, you know, 
nonsense. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's totally fine to have a situation where it's not a maybe a full thought or it's not a it's just not a complete necessarily a totally complete project before you post it. Because the thing is the you know perfect will be the enemy of good in that case, right? You're gonna you're going to create a whole bunch of excuses around. I know that I'm saying this because I've literally done this um, around. Well, I can't put this up because it's not it's not there yet, and it's like it's it's never gonna be there, right? You're just you're never gonna be totally 100% completely happy with it. And even if you are, if we're talking about code and and software development. It's gonna become obsolete soon enough right you better get it out there you better get it out there because because it will become obsolete um through nothing through no no interaction from you um it will just eventually age out and and you can either choose to update it or not something one thing that i would i would suggest and 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 hope that you do though if you do anything like that where you post content that has code in it please 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 put a date on that content (laughs) because Probably date everything yeah date everything but but in particular if it has code examples please 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 date it um something in the swift world uh with ios is that swift is being updated quite frequently <clears throat> at least once a year there's a new major version of swift once a year for javascript code timestamp it okay because later that same afternoon it's true it's true yeah so for javascript in particular but but even in swift where it updates you know we get multiple updates a year usually um at least one big one a year the the problem is they've been iterating so quickly that they keep breaking things um and so there will be code that worked perfectly fine in the previous version that if you copy paste it into your playground or whatever and hit run it will not even compile because that code is out of date if nothing else if you could provide a date that helps people who are coming to that content to look at it to make sure that oh well this 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 post from six months ago i can now make a determination myself if i think this is likely to be still useful or out of date right and it'll especially save the the grief and the angst among those people who might not know about the concept of version controller or uh, versions and updates and how things can become obsolete. And again, I'm thinking specifically of me in 2005 or so, taking a chunk of code and copying it and putting it to my editor and running and it breaks. And then I feel like I've done something wrong. Yeah. I mean, th- think back to when you did your first tutorial, right? If you're maybe you're a junior with some experience, go back to that first tutorial and think about those times where you copy paste something into your into your editor and you hit run or whatever and then it doesn't work and it throws either some terrible error that you can't understand or it just sort of doesn't work for no obvious reason um and how frustrating it is and how you feel like i don't think i've done anything wrong but maybe i have and i don't know how to fix this and how do i move on from here um so the one thing that i would caution you on building content of your own which is a great idea i highly encourage it is just do a few small things here and there to help your readers to understand what perspective you're coming from in particular, like when did you write it, so that they can um, have an idea of how to consume it better um, and won't end up hopefully in that situation where it just doesn't work and they don't know why. And I guess the last word I'd like to say about writing is that it's never too soon to become a software writer. If you've written a line of code, you're already in the top 10%, if not the top 1% of people in understanding software in the world. So there's definitely an audience of people who are newer than you are and to whom you can extend a hand and pull up. So I think uh, 
kind of to tie all these things together, um, something that you brought up when we were doing kind of the, we were discussing about doing this episode was um, the idea of process-oriented goals versus outcome-based ones. And I think we've already touched on that some, but I'd like to maybe solidify that concept. Um, so, yeah, so what do you mean by, a, what is a process-oriented goal and what is an outcome-based one and, and how do they compare? Okay, an outcome-based goal is saying I want to go to the gym and by the end of the year I'm going to be able to bench press 300 pounds. Or I want to get a job that pays six figures. Those are great, but at some level they're out of your control because maybe you're a 110-pound woman and benching 300 pounds is just very difficult for someone at that size. Or maybe you really, really want to have a job that pays six figures, but you don't do anything to move towards that goal other than really, really wanting it. Or maybe there is some big economic downturn or something and you know, some factors entirely beyond your control that leave you not reaching the goal. Process goals, on the other hand, are, are things that you do have more control over. Whereas it's difficult to say, I'm going to hit this mark, you can say, I'm going to routinely do the activities that will move me closer to that mark or that will increase my chances of hitting that mark. Like you can say, I'm going to get to the gym two or three times a week, or I'm going to go to the meetups where people might be hiring, or all the other things we've talked about as far as uh, trying to find work. And those things you can look back at the end of the year and say, I did it. I did everything that I wanted to do towards advancing uh, reaching the desired endpoint. Did I get to the desired endpoint? Maybe, maybe not. But for the things you have control over, do those. Yeah, because you're definitely not going to get there just by saying, I want this, right? That's not going to happen. So um, people aren't going to hire you just because you're sitting in your house and saying, I wish I worked at this place. But by going and doing things that will get you closer to that goal, you're much more likely to at least encounter the people that can help you get there, right? And you can create opportunities for yourself. Rather than waiting for an opportunity to come around, you really want to do what you can to create opportunities for yourself, to make it so that opportunities appear in front of you. And it's not because they just appeared. It's because you sort of got yourself into a situation where they're much more likely to occur. Um, so things like going to a meetup where maybe a recruiter is regularly there doing, you know, kind of soliciting for for jobs or... I'm going to call three software engineers, contact them over LinkedIn and ask to meet for coffee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and it's not just a matter of kind of going to organized events that that where this kind of stuff occurs. Things like what Brian just said. Just finding people in your area. Maybe you met the person in the meetup, just sort of by coincidence. And then you discover, oh, they're a developer. I talked to them briefly. They seem pretty cool. Let me let me friend them on LinkedIn and then let me offer to you know buy them a coffee or whatever and kind of pick their brain about their their company and their job and stuff like that. Again, you're just creating touch points, these touch points with other people where when it comes time for things to happen job-wise, um, those people who maybe see, oh, there's a job opening in my company, we need, and maybe they're even on my team. Oh, now I have a vested interest in actually finding someone good. Hey, I met this person at the meetup and we talked and we went in and had some coffee and they seem really cool and it would it would work. And suddenly, boom, you have a con you kind of have an in um, to that company. So these are, again, these are things that are not going to pay immediate dividends, but um, it's kind of investing in your career future. And those, all those concrete steps that you can take right now are way more important than I want to be employed and I want to make this much money on this date. 
They also give you an opportunity to uh, experience success and treat things as a series of experiments. You know, you can say, I'm going to contact this many people on LinkedIn uh, every week for the next two months. And you do that. And at the end of it, you can sort of feel out, did I get responses from people? Did I get to meet people? Or maybe for whatever reason, that direction is just not working for where you are. And there's nothing wrong with after you've done things for a while saying, well, maybe I ought to try something else. Maybe add another thing on top or replace that activity with another thing. And you don't have to feel like you've failed to meet your goal because you hit the goal. You contacted people on LinkedIn every week for two months. That's a success. And then you can go on from that to have another success with another experiment. It's, um, like the the old uh, Thomas Edison line about how he, he hadn't failed at making a light bulb. He had discovered 10,000 ways that didn't work. Yeah, exactly. It's it's something that you have to just kind of continually plug away at um, and, and work on. You, you just, there's unfortunately just no, there's not a single step or even a short series of steps that you can take to go from zero to fully employed at your dream job. It's just, it just doesn't exist. Yeah, there's not a guaranteed way that we can tell you, although we would like to. Yeah, it would it would be great. We, we would love that. But there just doesn't really appear to be a single way to do that. So you have to kind of do all these other things. And and we have done all of these things, um, and, and they have worked to a greater or lesser degree for us over the courses of our careers. Everything works sometimes, but we don't know what those times are. They don't work all the time, but we, you know, 60% of the time, it works every time. So... Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So it, it's it's just something you have to just kind of plug away at and, and, and feel good that everyone else is doing the same thing, that no one has discovered the secret sauce for getting this done in one step. Um, this is how everyone does it, whether they are junior, mid or senior. And hopefully that that should give you some comfort that it's that we're all kind of in this together. So around those these things, um, all these goals that we've talked about and, and kind of ways to get there, you know, small in- incremental steps, I think one of the major benefits of this kind of uh, trying to, you know, trying to achieve your goals through this process is that this process is way more trackable than I want to have a job and I want to get paid this much in a year, right? That is a thing and you could potentially track certain things, but if you'd have to break that down, right? You can't just track that single goal. You'd have to have smaller incremental goals. And it turns out if you just sort of do it the way that we've been talking about, you get those incremental goals that's part of the process. And so I think that this process is definitely much more trackable. So uh, in what ways, let's let's be publicly accountable. In what ways are you going to track your progress for the things that you've talked about? And I can, I can talk about the same for me. I had really simply been um, keeping mental track, which I guess is not good enough. If I want to do something publicly, well, you know, one easy way uh, for us as developers is the uh, the GitHub submissions? You know, if if you push code up to GitHub on a regular schedule, then you get the little green bar at the bottom of your profile lighting up nicely. And I think I should probably shoot for. Uh, let's give myself five submissions a week. Let's see if I can commit to doing that. All right. So you heard it here first. Everybody go. Everybody go to Brian's GitHub profile, and and see if it's green five days a week. Uh, you know, that's, that's a good idea. I think that's, it's, that's easy, right? It's an easy way. Again, you don't want to make this too complicated. So if you're going to be committing to GitHub anyway, 
GitHub has tracking uh, built in where it basically gives you a contribution graph. So if you've never seen it before, if you just go to your, your own GitHub profile um, below the list of repositories and stuff, you can see a little sort of calendar-like graph that has little squares on it. And the squares are, I think, just clear, you know, white, um, if you have no contributions. And they kind of get... They become green, and they get greener the more active you are that day, the darker green the, the square is. Um, so it uh, sounds like Brian is committing to having non-white, you know, at least some, some green on, uh, on, on his little squares five days a week to, to get some of these things up and, and public. How do you plan on presenting this information to the world? Are you going to use GitHub, or are you going to have some other resource? Yeah, come on, man. I don't... <laughs> Hey, a little public pressure is is a good thing. Sure, sure. For that one, I, I just want to have it on the profile. Uh, probably by February, I think you, we could make this a recurring thing. If we're going to have new uh, goals, new habits to form every month, we can talk at the beginning of each month about uh, how the habit has gone so far. So I want that to be my habit for January, right? Is five contributions per week visible on the GitHub profile, and then I don't have to come up with another one until February. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. I love that idea. And you. And me. Mr. Yeah. Golke. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's my turn now. Uh, so I am putting up the stuff that I talked about, the lessons and things, on my website. So they're not on GitHub, um, but they are on my website, and they do have dates attached to them and stuff. That's it. Are they not also on GitHub? I'm just interested in the technical... So from a from a boring technical perspective, um, I'm using WordPress right now to host all of my content, and so it just goes in as a post in the WordPress interface. So I, it doesn't it's not backed by anything on GitHub. I do have some plans around changing that, but we'll we'll leave that for another month's goal, <laughs> right? To talk about yeah. So so I guess what I can what I'll commit to then is at least one piece of educational content per week. I also run a meetup and stuff, so I don't want to. I don't want to overcommit here. And that's important too. I think a lot of people, and I, I think I've fallen into that trap before, of saying I'm going to have many, many grandiose plans as of January 1st, and then by January 15th, you feel like, well, everything is in shambles, and I'm just going to give up. But if you say I'm going to have a reasonable goal for January, then you can meet that goal, and then meet another reasonable goal during February, and by the end of the year, you can have impressive accomplishments. But don't make yourself do everything all at once. Right? Yeah, I think I think that's a great idea, and something that I've actually seen from some of the sort of tech people that I follow on Twitter. A lot of them were announcing things that they were going to be working on, you know, at the last few days of December and and into January, saying like. These are new things I'm going to do, um, and and one of the things that I saw it was it wasn't exactly that advice, but it was very similar. Where it was like you have this many days or this this many opportunities this coming year to make things happen, and if you just commit to one thing for each of those, you could have all these things done by the time the year is over. Um, which I think is a great way to look at it, rather than here I'm going to make this laundry list of things that I want to do and then provide no plan for how to do them, and then be just disappointed in two weeks when, like you said, everything's in shambles, and you're like, well, I'll just give up. I think committing to one thing a month or whatever, whatever kind of schedule works for you, I think is much better than trying to say, I'm going to do these thousand things. You know, I'm going to be this amazing person that I that I that is totally different from the person that I actually am because it's just, it's just very unlikely to happen. So having a much smaller goal is I think a better idea because you get the goal accomplished. You can always add another goal, right? That's, that's the thing. There's always opportunity to add more goals, but if you weigh yourself down, 
it's just that much harder to get any of them done. So I am publicly committing to one piece of educational content posted on my website per week in the month of January. I already I put up like 15 in the first couple of days. So um, those don't count. Those don't count. I, that's that's for week one. I'll I'll take it. That that's for week one. So actually, this is is this week two? I think this, this is second, week two. Second We're week. week so two. I'm already super behind. <laughs> <laughs> I need to build something between now and the end of Sunday, but uh, I'll get that up. So that's what that's what I'll commit to is at least one thing each week in January, and then we can revisit this in February and see what else we want to commit to. So maybe you maybe you all listeners could follow along and, and perhaps commit to something this month. You know, tell us how it goes. We are available on Twitter at MVC Podcast. So if you'd like to send us feedback or um, ask questions about your goals or anything like that, please reach out to us there. And related to the point we made earlier about um, not getting overwhelmed and giving up. These are goals that we're setting internally, and they're things to shoot for, but if you happen to to come up a little bit short once in a while, that is perfectly fine and fairly likely to happen, and so don't beat yourself up if and when it does. I want to have five contributions a week. If I have four or three the first week, that doesn't mean that I should just scrap the whole project and, and never look at GitHub again. If Ben has an off week and he's busy with other things or he, he just doesn't get done with one of his educational um, blog posts or, or pieces of content, that doesn't mean that he's done writing stuff forever. It means we had an off week and then we come back and we try to do better next time. That's fine. That's normal. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah, I mean, every every next click in your progression of whatever plan you set for yourself, if it's like once a week or a couple, you know, once a day or whatever, whatever it happens to be, if you miss that goal that day or that week or that month or whatever, the next thing that comes around is another opportunity to get it right. So it's not just that, oh, well, I failed, so I better just quit. Or the other thing that, that I would caution you to do is don't think, well, I missed it, so next week I have to do two, right? Don't try to catch up because, again, these are all made-up goals that you just set for yourself anyway that no one is is going, in theory— I mean, if this is something for your job, that's a different story. But but if this is just a personal goal, no one really is going to be that affected by you not missing or you, by, by you missing uh, one particular goal for one iteration of your progression of your schedule. So just reset the next time and say, OK, well, I got to do my, my thing this week or whatever it is that you set for yourself. Don't say, oh, well, now I have two. And then, oh, now I have three. And then now I have – and then what's going to happen is going to end up where the weight – of the unfinished things that you didn't do is going to weigh you down to the point that you're just going to quit. So just try again, right? The next time it comes around, the next week, month, whatever it is, just try again and see if you can kind of just get back on track, not get caught up. Because again, there's nothing to catch up on. You're These are just personal goals you set for yourself. I heard a great term, uh, again, on the educational podcast speaking specifically about tech education that uh, the host was going to declare learning bankruptcy that there were a bunch <laughs> love, of things i love that. that she wanted to get to over some period of time and you know there was a big stack of of browser tabs or whatever filled with interesting articles of new technologies she was going to learn and conquer and she just hadn't gotten to them for a long period and so she decided you know what i'm wiping the slate clean i'm not behind on any of that stuff anymore and I think you can do the same thing with, with goal. You can declare goal bankruptcy and say, you know, last week I didn't hit any of those things I wanted to do. That doesn't mean that I need to stay up until four in the morning every night this week so I can catch up with these imaginary made-up things that uh, that I'm only doing for myself. I can declare that week is over 
and it doesn't count, and I'm starting fresh. Yeah, because it's much more important to make progress than it is to necessarily keep up with whatever imaginary schedule you have in your head. Um, so, so make progress. Don't worry about, oh, well, I said that I was going to do four in January and I only did three. So clearly I failed, right? That's, that is not the right mindset to be in because it's just going to set yourself up. You're going to set yourself up for failure in the future. Or worse yet saying, well, I'm so far behind. I guess time to break out the Adderall, right? And just stay up all weekend typing madly so that I can hit this number that only I in the whole world know anything about. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah, don't, don't, it's not, it's just not worth it. Um, and you're, and you're just, it's not going to work. You're not going to, you're probably not going to succeed at your goal because you just, it is now a Herculean task. So just start over. Next week, it's an opportunity to build a thing, right? That you said you were going to build. In general, no one's really going to notice if this thing came out two weeks after it was supposed to come out because the only person that knows that is you. I think you'll end up in a, in a good place. And I think we've ended up in a good place, unless uh, you have any final words for us, Ben. Uh, that was an excellent segue, so I can't ruin it. All right, then I'll have the last word, which is to ask you, uh, where can people find out more about the show? Yeah, so mvc.fm is our website, and that's where you can find everything. So our list of shows, you can listen, you can look at the show notes, get the links that we talked about in each and every episode. So that's really kind of the home base for us, mvc.fm. Um, additionally, you can find us on iTunes and pretty much any podcast place where you go. If you have an app that you use, we're likely there, um, and certainly on iTunes. Uh, the place to rate and review us is also iTunes, and we would love if you could do that for us. Um, then lastly, if you want to communicate uh, and send your feedback, maybe tell us how you're doing with your goals, what goals you've set, and the progress that you've made. Um, we're on Twitter, at MBC Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.